Welcome, adventurers and knowledge seekers. We are your guides, Goose and Ash. Hello. Take a map and a torch, but whatever you do, please do not feed the gelatinous cube as we enter the, the Crypt, Crypt of, of Knowledge. knowledge. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Crypt of Knowledge. We have a very exciting episode for you tonight. We have a very special guest, the Crowned DM, and we'll be discussing uh, him as well as Foundry BTT. So first of all, Goose, how are you doing tonight? I am doing pretty wonderful. Ash, how about yourself? I'm doing good. Really good. Yeah. Good. It's been a long day for both of us, I think, but here we are. Mm. And yes, we have wonderful <laughs> guests here with us. So um, excited. I think it will bring the energy, even though we may not have any right now. <laughs> Uh, but first, we, we have company. We have to be on our best behavior. Right. Hope we clean the house. Um, so first, we'll remind everyone that this is August, and we are doing our August giveaway. Uh, we are giving away a handmade castle-style dice tower made by the lovely Ash. All you have to do to get entered is to follow our socials at DND Crypt Podcast. You can also sign up for our Patreon, which is running a special right now. It is one dollar for the basic. For one month, you get access to our patron-only Discord channel. You get early access to our our audio podcast. You get the ability to ask us questions that we will answer on the podcast as well, and it gives you an extra giveaway entry. So it's wonderful. There will be pictures on our website, cryptofknowledge.com. You can see the lovely dice tower. I think you made it match our, our scheme, right? Red and black. Yeah, it looks really awesome. So we red, red and black. It'll have some interchangeable shields that you could use as well as a place to store your dice. So it's pretty, uh, it's neat. I like it. I'm proud of it. <laughs> They're very awesome. They they are definitely uh, a collector's item, something to have. She doesn't make a ton of them, but <laughs> they're definitely very neat and very functional. So uh, get your entries in. But that's the housekeeping. Let's get on to the fun part. <laughs> so uh, we are very pleased to have a guest join us today, the wonderful DM who runs his own homebrew world games on Twitch. We're talking about, like you mentioned, the uh, Foundry VTT today. So it, it helps. I've seen it and I've briefly used it, gone through the demo, but to have someone who uses it all the time, I think will help us out here in this conversation. He's currently running a game called Cometh the Fall, and he's previously ran Secrets of Eris with other Twitch personalities as players. When he's not DMing, he's busy making his maps live on Twitch for his fans to watch and interact with him. So welcome to the show, Crown DM. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That is uh a very nice intro. <laughs> Same <laughs> kind of you. Well, thank you. Uh, like we've discussed, I, I enjoy watching your your sessions. They are, are wonderful. Uh, but like I said, it can be long, but they're definitely something to watch. I encourage everybody to go check you out on Twitch. They're very long. Uh, <laughs> it's only now that I'm realizing when I turn OBS off that it's like, oh, it's seven and a half hours. Ooh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm quite jealous, actually, because we get two and a half or three hours in in a session. <laughs> That's all we get usually. So I'm kind of jealous. It uh, It's definitely nice because when I used to do actual, like what I would call actual paper and dice D&D, uh, it was only two or three hours. And uh-huh. I would be wanting so much more. I'd go home and just be like, mm, what if I played more D&D though? <laughs> I think everyone feels that at some point. Like, that is the question. How can we play more D&D? <laughs> and, and mine was the complete opposite in person everyone would come over and we would have seven or eight hours have lots of food and we'd all laugh and have fun but it was 
only like once a month. Um, but so I guess it almost averages out you know, every week playing two to three hours. Yeah. I guess oh, it's yeah. about the same. That would work out. <laughs> so <laughs> when did you start playing D and D? Oh, I, oh man, this is the one thing I regret. So I got out of the Navy in 2016. Thank Basically, you for your service. I, I, very kind of you. Thank you. Um, I, I did my time and I got out and I met uh, a friend of mine online and they were like, hey, uh, you seem like you're really interested in role playing and RPGs and stuff. This is when I was still playing like World of Warcraft. And like, uh, how come you haven't talked about things like D&D, Pathfinder, uh, World of Darkness? And I was like, well, first off, no idea what any of those are. <laughs> um and it was like absolute ignorance, not the, oh, I think I know what D&D is. It's like, I've literally never heard of the concept of Dungeons and Dragons up huh. until that point. And they, they're like, well, if you're interested, I can teach you a little bit about it. And I can recommend some games for you to watch on YouTube. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. That sounds great. I get introduced to... Obviously, the big ones like Critical Role, um, Acquisitions Incorporated, uh, and I get introduced into uh, another creator. His name is Matt Colville, mm-hmm. uh, and some of his games. And it immediately was like this: my third eye opened, and I realized that I had been missing everything. Nice. I talked to a couple of my buddies who were still in, who had just re-upped their their time. And they were like, yeah, man, we played a Pathfinder game every Saturday after work. And we just, we didn't think you wanted to play with us. And I, my heart broke. (laughs) I could have been playing D&D for years. And it was, it was too late. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, and you hear that quite often, I think, servicemen and women that, do it just to pass the time, you know, you've got time to kill and it's a good game that takes up a lot of time. Oh, absolutely. I wish, I wish I'd been playing Pathfinder and not out drinking and partying <laughs> and wasting away my twenties. I wish I had just been rolling dice with friends. Ugh. Uh, our life choices. What are you going to do as an adult? Huh? <laughs> hey, I was nearly 30 before I started playing. So I wish I'd spent a lot of more of my time, especially like my youth, you know, playing. I think I would have oh, found my people a lot sooner. <laughs> especially because like nobody that I know anymore plays any of the old MMOs. That's like true. all my friends have turned away from like World of Warcraft and Final Fantasy and stuff. So I'm just like, man, <laughs> it's a waste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. A lot of those have changed so much over the years. You know, World of Warcraft is... Gosh, how old is that now? 12 years, maybe more? It's it's old. Oh. So it has gone through many iterations. Well, when you did get to play, what was your first character? <laughs> oh, oh, man. My first character, Orin Bloodforge. Nice. Uh, he was a mountain dwarf champion fighter. He was the first character I ever got art commissioned of. Oh, who I got a little personal token from Hero Forge. Yeah. Uh, and he was amazing. He was one of the only characters I've ever seen go from level one to 20. Wow. And that That's was, awesome. it was uh, the most satisfying thing I, I think ever was to watch him start out as this naive sort of, 
unknowing of the world outside of the mountain to coming back and becoming the king of his homeland. <laughs> nice. It was, ugh. I, 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 it lives in my head rent-free whenever, sure. I'm, whenever I'm running games. How long did that campaign take to go from 1 to 20? I was just going to ask that. I'm like, how long did that take you? That's uh, That took, oh God, we started in 2016. Like, fresh started in 2016. And then I think we ran till about, till about 2019 before the GM moved. That's, that's pretty good. Keep a group together that long. It was it, apparently, from what I've understood, insanely lucky for groups to not just fall yeah. apart. Yes. Yeah. Been through many in my time, and I've been pretty lucky here with the group we have now. But at least half of us have been together for the last four years. So, but yeah, it's hard. Man, that's awesome. So what was your uh, step over from player to DM? That happened really quick. Uh, almost absurdly quick where I played a couple sessions and I was like, damn, maybe I should be a dungeon master. And then (laughs) I, I immediately started making like I found incarnate and this was back before they had even a fraction of the stuff they have now. And I was making little homebrew maps and I was starting to put together my world and it was real convoluted i was plagiarizing every piece of media (laughs) that i loved i was like what if i mixed lord of the rings and wheel of time and everything else together all at once and that was my world nice Uh, uh, (laughs) ah i didn't actually get to run until like i had spent oh i think almost like a year just building Hmm. and then i finally did a campaign and it was horrific (laughs) oh no I didn't know what challenge rating was. Oh, okay. So, like, my players are level four, and I'm like, hey, guys, what if you fought a lich? Oh, no. Because no. <laughs> I think it'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I killed the <laughs> artificer. Because and... I was like, wow, Power Word Kill sounds really cool. Yeah, it does. Oh. <laughs> you only have 37 hit points. What's the worst that could happen? Oh. You die. <laughs> That's fantastic. That sounds like something I would do. <laughs> Throw a Tarask at him. It's okay. You can have it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she doesn't let me live it down. Ever. Oh, sure. She oh. Does. It's, it's a constant reminder. Hey, remember that time that you killed me? You remember yep. that? That's fine. It's, it's that. Hey, remember the time you killed my favorite character? Oh. I'm just like, no, please. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, speaking of favorite characters, how often has your first character come back as an NPC in your campaigns? Ooh, I've never done that. Oh. Um, so I have a, a real big fear of things. Um, I, I basically worried myself when I first started DMing. And this whole bit about like DMPCs, right? Like okay. this super powerful NPC that cam- like comes in and steals the player's glory and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um hmm. So I, as much as I love Oren, if the players ever meet him, it'll be him in his like twilight years, where gotcha. fighting is no longer a part of his bit. He's you know his sons have taken over the mountain, and he's just living like a hermit or living in peace or something like that. Just because I'm I'm afraid of like taking away from my players. And I've heard a lot of tables talk about that. 
I have played in multiple tables that have had those NPCs, and I guess it's just been played kind of like you said, the Twilight Years, where it's years past their prime, and they show up, and they give you their wisdom, and then they vanish. You know, they, <laughs> they don't follow the party around. They don't try to help that much, but um, I, I enjoy bringing out a few old characters every now and then. I, uh, I, I try to sort of give them... I, I try to give them characters that I think that they would enjoy, or at least characters that I think would be more personable or more realistic, even in a fantastical setting. One of the NPCs I introduced recently, his name is Gerald. He's a, he's an old half giant. Mm-hmm. He's this burly barkeep who basically served as a champion to the, the local barony. And uh, he, he went through a lot of trauma in his, his years. He accidentally killed one of the people he was fighting against, and it really really tore into him. So he's here dispensing wisdom to the party. But when they found out that he was a champion, they're like, Hey, why don't you come with us? Help us solve this problem. He's like, yeah, no, absolutely not. I'm uh, I'm never picking up my ax again. I'm sorry. I love you guys. You guys are cool, but I can't do it. Oh, I want more Gerald. That sounds awesome. <laughs> he's, a, <laughs> he's a great I character. People. I love playing him. I love people like that. That's awesome. Yeah, NPCs in general, and that's a whole other episode on its own, but those can be some of the most difficult. They're hit or miss. You know, you bring it up and you either have it tuned in and your players love them or they're like, okay, we're moving past them in two seconds. Thanks for the info. We're gone. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I try not to put too much into NPCs now because the NPCs, I'm like, these ones are pivotal, (laughs) important to the story. The players are like, no, no, no. Give me the goblin wearing... A flannel, yep. and his name is Boblin. I want to talk to that guy. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yep. you can talk to Boblin. It's fine. Yeah, I feel your pain. We had a player that just always knew when it was. He, he had like this knack for knowing when it was the least important, least thought out, <laughs> most like throwaway character, and he always like just honed in on them. And I don't know how he did it. Uh, I could I could see it in Goose's face though, like. <laughs> I want to murder you right now. Like, you know, so what's his name? Where are you from? What's going on? Come along with us. Like, let's make you part of the family. Yeah, there were, there were lots of people that wound up being named George. Yeah, oh, we yeah. always know if it's a throwaway because his name is George. Oh, yeah. George knows nothing. George is, George is nobody. So uh, Take the hint. His name is George. Move on. George has no quest. Move along. So. Real generic. Please keep walking. I beg you. Yeah. <laughs> so did you start with modules or did you start with your homebrew i know you said you worked on your homebrew a lot yeah but have you run modules (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) i definitely should have uh for aspiring dungeon masters out there please use a module (laughs) please don't make my mistake where i throw a lich at a bunch of level fours because i think it's cool Um, see this this is what i'm saying goose is anti-module and <laughs> I've been playing twenty something years. I don't like modules. They were they were not very good back in second edition. I'll just tell all of you they were not. <laughs> well, I mean, some of my favorite modules, I will say, come from older editions. Um The City of the Glass Pool, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Those are all editions, like those are all modules that I love. And when I compare them to newer modules, I'm like, man, a lot of these newer modules ain't that good. <laughs> mm. Uh, Minds of Fandover is notorious oh, yeah. for killing low players. Yes. Because they're like, hey guys, wouldn't it be funny 
if we put a giant cave of goblins. Not just any goblins, by the way. Uh, like super stacked goblins. You know, <laughs> just murder a, a bunch of, you know, level ones because it's funny. Ha ha la mau. <laughs> yeah, and everyone loves to run that one. I've, almost every table I've set at, somebody's run through <sighs> that before. There's so that many... sounds awful. <laughs> it's, that sounds it is so mean-spirited. <laughs> yeah. The premise was fine. <laughs> the execution, the number of goblins might need to be adjusted a little. Absolutely. It's literally like, it's a, it's a bait, too. Because yeah. it's like, hey, you got attacked by two goblins, and they ran off. You're going to go follow them? And you're like, oh. of course, we're adventurers. And then you follow them into their home and get murdered. But wow. it teaches a good lesson if you live. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we'll know how not to start our next campaign. That's oh right. Oh, my gosh. I'm about uh, to run a module uh, starting next week. My first oh, module. Oh, what module? Uh, one of the new Journey to Through the Radiant Citadel modules. Ooh. Yeah, I'm excited. I've seen a lot of, like, uh, a lot of the Critical Role modules have looked really good. Yeah, that's yeah. just fantastic writing. <laughs> you could you got paid writers back there. It's fantastic. <laughs> wow, it all makes sense. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about your two campaigns that you've run on Twitch. Or maybe even more. I've seen two. Have you run more than two? We just have the two for right now. I'm okay. working on a third game. But the two that we have is our first one, which is Secrets of Yours. It is set in a desolate island continent that has been cut off from the rest of the world for the last 50 years. It used to belong to the Elven Empire of the East, and then they lost communication with it. Ships were going missing. Adventuring parties were never coming back. So the emperor finally decides he's had enough. He is going to send his one of his airships, which is incredibly rare in this world, to ferry a group of adventurers to find him a landing spot for his navy. He is going to seize the island by force. Uh, he's tired of playing around. Well, the adventurers get on and they realize, uh, almost a little too late, that they are being waylaid by cultists. The cult is very active on this continent and they do not want it being taken back. The players crash land and find themselves in the northern section of Eurus known as the Immortal Vale. And it is a hellscape. It's frozen tundra. There are monstrous beasts wandering around. And the few cities or towns that remain are on the brink of falling apart. The one town that they're in now is Frostwood. And it's now bustling because of their activities. And they've been very good. However, the main threat still looms over, and it is one of the ancient progenitors of magic, as it is with, I guess, every major adventure is the end of the world. Uh, <laughs> the wizard king of enchantment, uh, Vorodare, and he has gotten his, uh, basically, his flactory back. Uh -oh. He is threatening to bring back his home which would bode very poorly for a lot of the rest of the, uh, the world. So nice. the players need to work together and stop that. CTF is a little bit more open-ended. Come at the fall, the fall of man is takes place on a completely different continent, takes place on the continent of Tyros, which is a little lacking in terms of technology. 
think more Arthurian legend where there's knights and chivalry and dragons are abound. And the players basically have to deal with the corruption that is brimming through that continent. They're dealing with the politics of local baronies and counts. They're also dealing with the politics of monsters or chaos. So goblin tribes, uh, minotaur clans, things like that. And they need to unite Tyros under one unified banner like before, or else humanity falls. It's not so extreme currently. They don't know the true end goal. Uh-huh. <laughs> right now, they're dealing with a fairy king who's being a little bit of a punk yeah. <laughs> and hunting a basilisk. They don't know that you know the, the weight of the world rests on their shoulders yet. Love the uh, slow reveal. It's great. <laughs> yeah, right now their biggest problem is dealing with something called the Basilisk King. And uh, it scared them to death. So, <laughs> excited. <laughs> yes, I've noticed a few of your players and, and on the Twitters and things. <laughs> a little worried about some of their sessions recently. <laughs> yes, it is. I don't think I've ever had more players DM me over the course of a week than when I introduced... <laughs> what their monster was. And I was like, yeah, you're fighting a a mutation of a regular creature and it's called the Basilisk King. And immediately my DMs were just like, bling, 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 bling. (laughs) Like, hey man, uh, you know, if I've done anything to wrong you or (laughs) slight you in the last week. By the way, here's a gift card. (laughs) Hey, just wanted to let you know you're a great dungeon master. Uh, We love everything you do. Uh, oh. the uh the third game that i'm setting up now is using the new dark souls role-playing game module mm-hmm. that came out nice and it's called dark souls hollowed sun and it's basically the uh the age of darkness ending the players are going to fight the uh fight gwen and all the other lords of cinder and stuff like that so nice that's a work in progress yeah i've seen several things about that one that just has come out and I've heard the monsters get pretty steep pretty quick. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That book is very unforgiving. Well, so is the game. So I guess it works. <laughs> it's like, uh, Oh, this guy has 15 hit points, 12 armor class. His highest stat is a 12. And then it's this boss has 570 hit points <laughs> An armor class of 22, it has 80 feet of movement and can do 10d10 damage. It's like, it's absurd stuff like that. Wow. It's fantastic. I'm that, very excited. That will require good teamwork, so hopefully there's good tactics Absolutely. used. Yeah. <laughs> I have not known a lot of groups to be very tactical. <laughs> and this, uh, this book definitely wants you to be tactical. It got rid of health and calls it position. Oh. And you basically spend your position to do the stuff you would do in Dark Souls. Your dodge roll, your oh. moving around the map, controlling bosses and everything like that. And if you're huh. not tactical, you will find yourself back at the bonfire very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That sounds very interesting. Do you know when you'll be starting to run that? Uh, I'm doing the crazy thing that I do, which is generally make about 10 to 15 maps, and then I start running. So we're currently on map four. So we're almost there. Yeah, you're getting close. (laughs) Uh, That is pretty awesome. When did you decide to start using Foundry VTT? Oh, 
So as much as I boast about how amazing Foundry is, I didn't start using it until maybe a year and a half ago. Okay. I was a big, avid Roll20 fan. Mm. Where I was like, roll twenty is the bee's knees. It's got <laughs> everything I need. Why, why, why would I try a different VTT? Mm-hmm. And then eventually, one of my friends, a former player, was like, "Hey, man, I'll I'll even let you just use my account to try it out, okay? Like, I don't, you don't have to buy it. I just want you to see how good it is." And I was like, "Ugh!" But now I have to figure out how the grids work, and uh, <laughs> all my maps are made like perfectly for Roll Twenty. And we mm-hmm. played about two sessions in Foundry, and I was like, "Okay, all right, okay." <laughs> <laughs> so, what was the biggest selling point on it for you then? Ease of access. I basically was able to do everything I wanted in Roll Twenty and more. And with the addition of the modules, being able to do stuff to show off like, hey, there's certain line of sight modules. There's there's like measurement trackers and everything like that. So a player can drag their token and show the full length of their movement and it shows a history of how they moved. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of quality of life in there that the community helps with, with those, you talk those modules and API stuff. So that, that's a huge draw for a lot of people, I think. Absolutely. And if it's not, people absolutely should look at the modules because it's more than just their little baseline one. There are entire GitHubs that aren't posted that you can scour through from their Discord. And it's just amazing stuff. Would you say it's more uh, intuitive to use than Roll20 can be? I would say so. God, it's been forever since I've actually used Roll20. <laughs> I'm trying to remember how easy it was to use. I want to say I, I didn't have to watch nearly as many tutorials with Foundry as I did Roll20. That's a easy thing to, to do then if you don't have to watch the tutorials. I know Roll20 for us, when we first started playing, because that was our go-to for a very long time, uh, we had a quick kind of session zero and everybody got to hear me tell them how to use it because I used it for so long. (laughs) They didn't have to watch any videos, but we got the basics out of the way. And we didn't use a lot of the functions anyway. It was mostly just for the map. You know, here's the map, move your character. That's all we're doing. We had character sheets elsewhere and and everything else. So, But we've kind of moved past as well, and we've been exploring several different ones lately just because they they continue, and Roll20 continues to get bogged down with lag and so many people use it and the video is is almost useless so it it's got its issues now that it you know three four years ago didn't seem to have as many of i think i can see that Uh, i can i can definitely see the the increase in everybody because again i i always i also recommend roll 20 if you don't have the money to to buy foundry i understand not everybody is uh fiscally able to buy a $50 application, even if it is a one-time purchase. Roll20 is free, which is still good. Like, (laughs) as much as I may harp on Roll20 for a lot of the features that it lacks or sort of a lot of the quality of life that it's missing, if you just want to play D&D with your friends online, Roll20 is the go-to, 100%. Ash, do you agree with that? I do. As a player... I didn't really have any problems with Roll20. Um, it wasn't super intuitive. I felt like I was having to remember how to use it each time, even though we were using it every week. 
But as a DM, I was very frustrated <laughs> with the lack of intuition and have since discovered several other VTTs that I prefer using over, over Roll20. But that's because that's my big thing. I, I kind of want to be able to log in and intuitively understand what each button and token and where to find things. And with Roll20, I always feel like I'm like, okay, I feel old. when I'm, I'm like, okay, hold on. Uh, wait a minute. This does, th- uh, what? And what was that code? I wrote it down on a post-it somewhere. And like, I oh, can yeah. remember the, <laughs> oh, the bracket, codes, yeah. whisper, bracket, bracket, GM, bracket. Like I can't ever remember that stuff. I'm not smart enough. So <laughs> I think I have a few pages in a notebook still that is just roll 20 quick commands that uh-huh. I could mm-hmm. I could reference in the middle of a game. My players would hear me flipping through pages and I'm like, all right, what was it again? And see that's that's a problem, I think. You should be focusing on your story and not how to uh, <laughs> send a send a chat or or roll for loot or whisper to your GM or something like that. So Definitely, I think we got to love and respect Roll20 for what it is, what it's given so many of us. Mm. But like Goose said, the, the market now is just kind of flooded with some really awesome ones that far outstrip. Really, they took what Roll20 is doing and just made it better. Improved on it. Yeah. What are, what are some of the VTTs you guys have been looking at? So we currently, in the campaign we're doing, we use one called One More Multiverse. It is pixel art. And we love it. It's fantastic. It's got just about everything you could want in it. Most of it works flawlessly. Um, The map building is a whole bunch of pixel art. And you make the maps with all the assets. It's got layers. So you can easily layer on which layer the assets are on. You can set up. So the campaign where now they have a fort that they're based out of. And they kind of come and go from it. And they're building onto it as time goes. So as we add things to it you can set a, a link where the players can actually just walk up to it and it pops up and says press t to go and they press t and they can go to the other areas so they can automatically kind of transport themselves it can get a little chaotic sometimes <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty neat that they have the the functionality to be able to do what they want to use their own agency to do things like that and, and so that's one we've been using a bunch and ash is about to use a different one when we do our, our modules that she's doing Yes, you were actually keeping me company today in your stream while I was in RVTT. Uh, you were doing your map making for like the Firelink. Oh, shoot. What did it call? Well, you, were, you were building something for your upcoming. Oh, campaign. Firelink Shrine. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Shrine. Thank you. That was the, the word. I can remember the <laughs> fake word, but not the real word. Okay. <laughs> so I was listening to you while I was in above VTT building, uh, putting together our maps and scenes for the the Radiant Citadel one-shot. And what's cool about that is it's an extension um, that you just download to your browser and it links directly to your D&D Beyond character sheet. And so anything that you have in D&D Beyond, like have purchased, can automatically be used in the above ETTs or any you know art or maps or characters or tokens or anything like that. And it's, it's a lot like Roll20 in its original like, kind of setup but more intuitive. I don't have to think as much or think as hard about what each tab is or what each button does. It does the movement tracking, you know, like you had mentioned about Foundry where you pull your token and it shows you how far you're going, that kind of stuff. Maps, you easily upload just from an HTTP link instead of having to, like, upload from your desktop. So it saves a lot of space. It's all in, like, cloud-based. So it saves a lot of space in, in that. And all your players just join from their 
D&D Beyond character sheet. They just click join BTT. And so it's pretty cool. It's my first time using it. And I really, I like it. Yeah, I took a quick moment to look up both. I, I can already tell you, the One More Multiverse looks amazing. Mm-hmm. That's it's so cute. Like, the style is great. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Uh, it's like Stardew Valley becomes D&D. It's, oh, that's exactly what I was thinking. God, <laughs> that is amazing. And um, the community is great, too. They they have a wonderful welcoming community on their Discord, and they really do listen to the people that play the with the VTT. So they're making a lot of changes based on what the people want. It's It's wonderful. Actually, have to try it because it looks, it just looks so appealing. Yeah, it's free. That's another wonderful thing about it. So, one more multiverse dot com. Give them, give them a try. <laughs> and making your character in it is really fun. It's like making a little eight bit version of your own character. So stinging cute. Uh, so. But one of the big differences, back to Foundry, what we're talking about today, <laughs> one of the sorry, big differences, no, 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 that's perfectly fine. We get on tangents all the time. But, but the software allows you to self-host a game. So you set up your own server and players connect through a web browser, which, as we talked about, Roll20, they can kind of get inundated with too many players. This kind of alleviates that problem. How hard is it to actually set up the game server? It's two clicks. Oh. Oh, nice. It's pretty uh, simple. It's once you have your campaign set up, you go over to your settings, you hit invitation links, and then you set out your invitation link. And it has two links. It has a local connection for the people who share your IP, and then it has the internet connection that you send out to the people who are abroad or otherwise. Oh. The only problem we've had is when, when Foundry updates, it sometimes doesn't register an IP Mm-hmm. So it'll say, like, for example, Momo, one of the players, wants to run a game. She has her own foundry. There was a time where it kept getting our, when it updated, it got our IPs confused. So oh. she had full access to my foundry, <laughs> and I had full access to her foundry. And it basically registered it as being the same user, Whoops. which was not good. <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> yeah. They have since fixed that, thankfully. Good. Um, but it's it's just as easy as going into your like diagnostics and everything like that, and then adjusting one of the numbers, and then it basically fixes itself. Okay, gotcha. that was one of my biggest concerns way back when they were still in beta, and I looked at them was because the the instructions weren't great at that time, <laughs> so it looked like hmm, <laughs> how difficult will this really be? I'm not a server kind of guy, and I know even now on their website it lists that you can have you can pay for hosting and you can do all this other stuff. So I, that was just one of my concerns was how easy was it to really set up the server? <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's basically ran off your computer, so as long as you're hosting, your players can always join. They can leave, join, come back adjust their stuff, whatever, as long as the game's not paused. Once you close it, they have no longer have access. Okay. So if you have a dedicated server, it's basically full-time. They can come in in the middle of the week while you're working, adjust their character sheet, whatever they have to do. Nice. Persistent worlds can be both good and bad if you don't want your players to do something. Indeed. <laughs> uh, so they... We talked about APIs and stuff. They list on their site over 200 supported game systems and then a wide range. They just say wide range of modules and <laughs> APIs. <laughs> but a quick look through, there were 4,000, I think, modules and APIs in there that you could download. And those are the ones that are listed. Uh, 
if you go to their Discord, their community Discord, which is a great source of those modules and APIs, there are some that are just GitHub links. And they take you directly to the creator's website or their page, Patreon, whatever. And you basically grab the link, post it into their add-on modules, like URL button, and it basically will download the module for you. It'll wow. pull it from that site as long as it has the same compatible data and then basically download it for free. One of the modules I did that with, which isn't listed on the add-on modules, is the dark mode of Foundry. Oh. Because I dislike looking at yeah. uh, <laughs> light in the middle of the night. Yeah, Dark mode everything, please. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I just, it basically, I went and searched through their Discord. Somebody was like, yeah, I made it. It's just up here. I updated regularly. You just grab the little GitHub link and then post it in. And it's been a lifesaver ever since. That's fantastic. It's, That's it's small awesome. things like that that make all the difference, oh, you know? <laughs> it's, it did make a difference. It, it's now bearable to use Foundry. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, again, way back in the day when it was, I think it was like 25 bucks at one point when it was in beta to get it. And, and I tried the demo, and I have no idea why I didn't go ahead and get it. It, it. it seems, you know, everyone that's used it has had good things to say about it. So we might have to give that a try ourselves. I would say compared to the past, this version of Foundry is way better than the older versions. They fixed a lot of the lighting issues, a lot of the graphical issues that were cropping up because it's a very small team who made Foundry. Sure. I think it's like four dudes. Wow. <laughs> Which is as much as I joke and and laugh i'm like foundry please sponsor me uh, <laughs> right i know it's a very tiny team <laughs> and they don't really do sponsorships um but they have they have gone leagues above uh what is even really necessary like the lighting looks smooth and it's Great. actually dynamic it reacts to to walls and players and it it just it gives it that nice feeling of realism almost and a lot of the quality of life changes that they've made you don't run the risk of potentially losing all of your games when you update to the new version of foundry well that's positive was, uh, a heart attack right back in 7.2 when i thought i lost secrets of virus and i had a breakdown for the whole day <laughs> sure it's not yep. good. <laughs> but thankfully, they fixed that. So that's that's no longer an issue. Good. Do they offer you a way to download everything from your game and, and then create a backup? Uh, yes. So the, the process of making a backup is super easy. It's basically, they list it on their website. Again, they're, they're not the most forthcoming with information <laughs> and it's a little cryptic when yeah. trying to figure out how to access certain things but thankfully there are a number of youtube videos out there that basically tell you how to make a backup and it's worked every single time and even though there's no more threat of potentially losing my games i always make a backup whenever yeah. an update comes out it's only smart <laughs> I mean, you just never know what they could break <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a fear. <laughs> I, I don't know how irrational it is, but it is definitely a fear. <laughs> how many hours do you think you have in Foundry right now? Ooh. Oh, boy. 
Does it, yeah, does it clock it? Like, I actually like that feature of Roll20, that it clocks how many it hours. It does not. I oh. thankful it doesn't, because I, would, <laughs> I was already horrified with how much time I was spending in Roll20. Oh, yes. I easily, several hundred hours, easily, just alone in, in making character sheets and monsters and writing up little lore bits and everything like that. That's not even counting uploading maps and, and running the game. That's just my own personal time outside of game time. So with game time, there's 30 episodes of Come at the Fall, <laughs> and there's 30-plus episodes of Secrets of Ears. So it's a lot. It's a lot. Well, and we had looked up, when we talked about Roll20 a few episodes back, we had looked up our time on there and wanted to have like 4,500 hours, yeah. hours, something like that, in Roll20. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, man, now I feel bad looking at that. I don't want to look at that again. (laughs) (laughs) But that was over like five years, six years. So not too bad, I guess. They're not hours. They're just like XP points. So there you go. (laughs) That's, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It could have been hours I spent doing something completely wasteful in my life. So at least it was beneficial to some people. (laughs) And I just looked it up. Uh, member of Roll20 since 2016. I have 3,100 hours in mm-hmm. Roll20. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I imagine I'm I'm probably well into the thousands for yeah. Foundry, and it's just growing. Yeah. <laughs> when you find the one that works, it's pretty easy to, to sink your time into it. <laughs> Absolutely. So you had mentioned earlier that it is only a one-time $50 purchase, which is nice, and you know, if the DM buys it and everyone joins for free or you split it up between the party, but it's it's a simple purchase. It does come with several other things, right? Some maps, tokens, and other things when you purchase it. When I purchased it, it didn't come with any of that. It was oh. just the VTT by itself. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, there, there might be a newer version that comes with maps. And if not, there are, again, so many modules and add-ons to the game that are just free assets. I think there's a really popular one that's over like 50-something maps, all for free, fully rendered, everything like that. The grid lines up perfectly. No weird superimposing watermarks or anything (laughs) like that. And they're just real seamless. You can run your games on them with no issue whatsoever. Nice. Yeah, that's always always the sticking point is finding a map. Because I am not a great map creator. I have tried on many programs. It's just not something I'm good at. So finding maps sometime can be time-consuming. That might be most of my prep nowadays. <laughs> uh, have you used rollable tables in Foundry? Rollable tables. Yeah, that one of their things they list on their site now, and again, I don't know how new this is, is that you can set up rollable tables. So if you wanted to, say, put in a list of loot, and then when your players kill it, you hit a button and it pops out, this is what they got. I do have that, okay, but it's more malicious. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I have it for my wild encounters. Yes, oh, nice. And it, it's a whole show. It <laughs> it basically pops up the window, and then it does this little song and dance where it rolls through the result and then posts it like this super menacing message in chat. And that's what happened with the last. Uh, game where I was like, oh, I could roll, but I have this thing now, and I just hit a button, and it rolled 
two poison, you know, two giant poisonous snakes. Oh. And they attacked the party while they're sleeping. And the one snake did like 50 something damage with a wow. crit. It was oh dang. Absurd. It almost killed the paladin. <laughs> That's a crazy snake. And I was like, I, I showed it off to chat and chat was like, holy shit that's amazing like <laughs> did you do that and i was like no i'm not nearly smart enough to to make a, a nesting table like this it did its own thing so very good yeah it's a neat feature roll 20 has it sort of you could put a bunch of macros together and make it do similar things with tables but it was a mess and i i used it for a few things we at one point early on in our first campaign had it something like that set up where when they killed a monster, they had to roll to see if it had anything on them. And if they made the roll, then they themselves had the macro and they could click the button and it would pop up what they got. And so yeah, that's would... one of those post-it notes I'd always have to find and be like, what was that <laughs> phrase in? And yeah. yeah. So That sounds awesome. Yeah. It Having was a player's cool... roll for loot sounds cool. Yeah, that was a good idea. It was neat. It, on my part, though, it had to be updated pretty constantly, especially as they leveled up or got into new areas because, you, you know, you kill a rat and it rolls you got 17 silver like well, <laughs> where did that rat hide the silver <laughs> it ate it <laughs> so it, it had to be updated fairly often but oh it, plus five holy avenger <laughs> wow <laughs> that rat was hungry <laughs> uh what else can you tell us about foundry vtt what what are the cool points that we missed uh so a lot of the features that i personally enjoy are uh, a lot of the compendiums that they offer the compendiums offer it offers the basic standard rules so your player's handbook your dungeon master's guide and your very bog standard monster manual and those are all compendiums that you just download through the module once you set up fifth edition as the game that you want to play it'll basically give you all of that stuff what's okay. great is that any information or stuff that you make you can make into a compendium so all of my monsters, homebrewed or otherwise, I can make into a compendium and then share with other people. So let's say, for example, you had a bunch of monsters and you were like, hey, DM, I, I think you would really like these. I'm going to send you a link to this compendium and you're going to you download it and it'll put it into your game. And then I have access to all of the monsters that you've made. I can tweak them, put them in the game. And if they have tokens, it'll pull up their token with no issue. It'll download all of that stuff. I also, I'm a big fan of special effects. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love rain and thunder and snow, mm -hmm. and Foundry has a module that basically lets you ham it up. Nice. <laughs> it, it, it really puts all of those special effects, all of those natural effects and everything like that, and lets your players, either you can let your players adjust it so they can sort of play around with it, or you have full control of it. So in the middle of a scene, the players are, you know, walking through the woods. And then I, I describe the, the crack of lightning and then the, the sort of boom of thunder. And then instantly on the page, I've adjusted it. And there's now the flash of lightning going oh, cool. through the scene. Nice. And it, what's great is that if you set it up, it also temporarily lights it up. So a character with no dark vision is now able to see when those flashes of lightning happen. Nice. And it's just, ah, uh, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Very theatrical. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, lighting and those special effects can tell a story just as much as the words coming out of the DM's mouth. It, it helps a lot to have those. 
let's see. Maps. You make your own maps. Tell us about using Incarnate and how easy that is. Or hard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Incarnate. Incarnate has seen a ton of amazing updates recently, no less. But when I started using it, it was, again, it's a very similar situation. It's a very small group of guys making Incarnate, and then they commission a bunch of artists to make their assets and everything like that. So they adjust the software and all of that. When I first started out, it was super bare bones. <laughs> I'm talking like almost the equivalent of MS Paint. Wow. Um, <laughs> but it, it, was, it had such charm to it that I was like, I'm going to keep using this. And there were other map makers out there. There were like a dungeonographer and stuff that you basically set it up and it would randomize the map for you. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, no, no. I want to make the map. I want to, if I can't draw the map, like old school D&D, draw the world map or the dungeons and stuff like that, I want to be able to do it digitally. Mm-hmm. So within my first month of using it, they had dropped one of the first major updates. And it was a new style of map. It was this fantasy dungeon. It brought in like a battle map and it, it made it so it was more more in line with what you would see for like fantasy grounds. Mm. And I was like, oh, well, wait a minute. <laughs> and I, I instantly contacted them and I bought into the company, which is something that you can do. Wow. Uh, I bought into the company and I got the full legal copyright for all of the maps that I make. Nice. So any maps that you make, once you buy into it, you can sell. No issues whatsoever. And I that's see. also another thing that really like kept me there. Sure. I would say don't do what I did, which was just brute force it and learn by mistakes. <laughs> Definitely watch their really awesome tutorials that they have because people like Maddie and some of the other really amazing incarnate artists on there are super helpful. They're really nice. They teach you a lot of the tips and tricks that I learned by accident. Uh, <laughs> They'll teach you how to put shadow to make it look like there's depth and you don't have to spend 40 hours over one map being like, how do I make this cliff look like it's actually a cliff? (laughs) You can just watch a YouTube video and Maddie will teach you how to do it. If you have, if you have even like that, that faint spark of like artistic drive, if you doodle, if you, you know, like writing and stuff like that, uh, you can channel that towards incarnate. And I think almost anybody can pick up incarnate and just start slapping the stamps down. It's great that it's not hand-drawn. You're not drawing each individual piece. Mm-hmm. It's just like putting together a Lego set, except there's no manual. You're using your own imagination. So <laughs> I think it's pretty simple in that regard, at least. Nice. Do, do all the brushes that you use come with it, or can you add your own brushes to it? That is a great thing about Incarnate, is that if you have assets, you can add them yourself. Okay. Um, they're also really nice that you can take their assets, tweak them however you want, and then re-upload them back into the site. So nice. I have a bunch of crystal assets that they dropped, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, these are great. I wish they were a different color. <laughs> and I took them out of there, and I changed the color and I put it back in and it was seamless. If you're an artist and you're really talented with Photoshop, you can make any style brush you want. 
That's very cool. Yeah, I, awesome. I've watched you make maps, and I sit there and I'm like, okay, I've I've played around with Incarnate. I've never seen these brushes. What is he using? Where did he get these things? <laughs> so cool watching you make a map. <laughs> uh, if it's stuff that I've done on stream, that just comes with the subscription. Wow. Okay. So it's it's twenty five bucks for a year, and it gives you full access to all of their premium stuff, which is a lot. Uh and then if you buy into it, which is uh, pretty much like a one-time purchase, you get access to their early access stuff, which is how how I had access to like their their hellscape style before it dropped for okay. the public. Gotcha. That's interesting. How, do you know how much it is to buy into them? Oh, I think I have how much I paid. I want to say I dropped something like 50 bucks. Well, that's not oh, bad. Into it. That's not bad. But this is back in 2016. Sure. I don't know how much it is. Sure. <laughs> but that was just a one-time fee. You don't have to pay the 25 a year now? Yep, just the one-time fee. What? And it gave me the, the full copyright to basically sell my maps I used to do map commissions, mm-hmm. uh, so being able to use Incarnate to make maps for other people and then sell it, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That's nice. I, That's I've awesome. s- I've seen on some Reddit forums, and you know how Reddit can be, but people will put up their Incarnate maps for commissions and be like, here, you know, I made this map if anyone wants to buy it, or this and that, and people are like, it's not a real map, it was made in Incarnate, you didn't really make it. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm like, man, that still took hours, I don't know why y'all are yeah. complaining. <laughs> <laughs> it just amazes me what the the fandom, I guess, can consider real art. <laughs> you know, I've I've never thankfully had to experience that where somebody was like, mm, that's not a real map. Uh <laughs> that's good. I, I I get the opposite where I'm sort of like I'm like, I wish that I could actually draw. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I'm spoiled by Incarnate because it's I'm just I'm using all their little neat stamps and everything like that. Sure. Um, but man, that that seems so so backwards. Like, that's not a real story you say <laughs> to the dungeon master who spent hundreds of hours writing their story. Right. Yeah i I have never understood that section of the fandom that gatekeeps or or tries to to keep out certain people and certain things. I just never understood how people could be like that. It's such an inclusive sport. God, why do I call this a sport? I think I've done this in every episode. <laughs> one, <laughs> I, like once per episode, you call it a sport. I really want it to be a sport. Can we get jerseys? <laughs> that would be that would be great, actually. <laughs> High school would have been amazing with a D&D sport. I'd have done that instead of swim any day. Right. Check out my Letterman jacket. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a dungeon master. How could you tell? <laughs> oh, well. Anyway, that, that's what I call it, a sport. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, But that's fantastic. That is a lot of good information on a lot of good things, including about yourself. So, But now we have come to the really fun part for us. Maybe not for you. We'll see how it goes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't figure out a good name. We've thought of uh, Floria Blows. Uh, we thought of, you know, like speak with dead, but speak with, speak with guest. So we're, we're trying to come up with a good name for it. But anyway, it's a lightning round. You got five questions related to D and D to answer in 60 seconds. So I will get my clock ready. 
Well, we Ash. That is a good name for it, Goose. We talked about it today. It's social anxiety inducing <laughs> icebreakers. Ooh, yes. That's. <laughs> you know, I was going to say flurry of blows, but I like that one more. <laughs> I think it's more. I think it's more accurate. I think that's what's happening here. It definitely is. <laughs> definitely is. So. All right. Well, Ash, I am ready whenever you'd like to start. And the Crown DM, just whatever comes to your mind when she asks you the question, go for it. Oh, boy. I'm ready. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Here we go. What is the scariest monster? Ooh, gibbering mouther. <laughs> nice, <gasps> I nice. know the guy who helped write that, helped write that monster. Uh, what is your favorite class? Ooh, fighter. Okay. <laughs> what do you believe is the most underrated spell? Ooh, that's actually a tough one. <laughs> uh, most underrated spell? Sending. Nice. Ooh, I agree. Yeah. Uh, if you could take anything out of D&D into real life, what would it be? Hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> so <many laughs> My options. mind immediately flooded with every item in the DMG <laughs> and beyond. Uh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. They're tough. Oh, God. You know, I, I just want to say a real, real basic answer is just a wand of wishes. Nice. Nice. Wand of wishes. nice. Last question. If you could go anywhere in the world or lore of D&D, where would you go vacation? Oh, you know what's bad is that I don't actually know that much about like <laughs> Faerun or Greyhawk <laughs> or anything like that. You I, can pick one of your own home places <laughs> to live. That's okay. It's still lore. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I have a, a, a land in my world in Tyros. It's called Katarina. It is this like constant renaissance it's this beautiful art loving place there's song and dance and it's just really vibrant and i think i would i think i would like to live there nice that does sound nice we'll all pack up and follow you there so That'd far the dms we've asked that question they always pick a place in their own homebrew world <laughs> yeah. oh no no it's nobody it's picks fine. up <laughs> I'm the same way. I, I couldn't tell you too much about the lore of, you know, the real lore anyway. I have too much of my lore in my head, so I'm right there with you. Oh, God. <laughs> All the stuff I've heard about Faerun is just awful. Like, right? I only know the bad stuff, like the demi-dread, you know, the, the demi-planes of dread, the, the red magic cult, you know, mm-hmm. and, like, just nothing good about Faerun. I mean, even the basic <laughs> places, like, why would you want to go to Waterdeep? It's horrible. It's not a good place. Awful. It's <laughs> constantly attacked every single adventure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited that about the journey through the Radiant Citadel because uh, it's giving a lot more like positive places to be, and it's good. <laughs> Exandria, Exandria definitely has a much nicer vibe than like Greyhawk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There are. I guess when you're writing something that your players have to go do and help and save, I guess the places can't be real nice or there wouldn't be anything for them to do. I guess that makes sense. You know, <laughs> I've, I've tested that theory and I gave them a super like nice caring place where everybody's super friendly. They immediately were hesitant and scared <laughs> yep, because yep. <laughs> they had come from my earlier games where like I turned everything on its head. We're mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come in. We're a bunch of friendly, loving people. <laughs> By the way, we're a cult. Yes. So. Yes. 
They're like, this now is us. Treat- I caught a vibe. Burn it down. This yep. is not happening. <laughs> yep. They met. They met Gerald, and they were like, mm, "This guy is. This guy is <laughs> bad. He's bad. He's gonna kill us in our sleep." He's a, he's the BBEG. The set. Yep. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the players can sometimes create much more wild, imaginative things than you probably thought of while you were preparing it. <laughs> That's a whole different tangent. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Well, sir, we have definitely appreciated you coming on the show and talking to us. Tell us where all the fun, fine folks can find you online, your Twitch, fun, Twitter, all that folks. stuff. Yeah, the fun, fine folks. Those things. Where can yeah. those fun, fine folks find you? <laughs> <laughs> this has been lovely. For the folks interested, I'm not too proficient at using things like Twitter. I do have a, a Twitter, though. It's it's the, the Crown DM or, uh, or at the Crown DM. And it's the same thing for my Twitch, where I stream... Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Sunday over on Momo's channel. And I basically run two games for now and then do map making and the like. So if you're interested in that, that's where you can find it. That's fantastic. And you have a Discord. Do you allow everybody into the Discord that uh, wants to follow along? Absolutely. The community Discord is constantly growing and it's full of, it, it almost sounds cheesy to say, but it's full of like really awesome people. And there are a lot of like, people that are often disingenuous about that but i feel like the community the community thus far has been super welcoming and super nice yeah i have joined for several weeks now and i can say it has been a pleasant experience every time i've gone in anytime i've looked at conversations they're all pleasant everybody's helping each other it's it's all wonderful so far so (laughs) i have to agree it's a great community everyone should go join it well all right ash i guess that's it for us right i think so just want to remind everybody to uh Rate and subscribe to the podcast, please, if you'd like to see more of what we do, including more awesome interviews with people like the Crown GM. So just wherever you listen to your podcast, if you could just rate, subscribe, share even. This is groveling, people. It doesn't happen a lot. And uh, so so please, please and thank you. <laughs> and the next episode, we're going to have some discussions on using XP or milestones. And uh, real quickly, Crown DM, XP or milestones for you? Oh, I've never done EXP. Uh, yeah, it's it's different. Most people <laughs> use milestones scary. now. It is, it is. But if you tune in next week, you'll get to hear all about that on the Crypt of Knowledge. <laughs>